Hey, Pastor John Aiken here. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Faith Center podcast. We hope today's teaching will awaken and equip you to live out your God-given purpose. Enjoy. All right. Um, so we were, uh, I was going to go through Genesis, um, kind of talk about the creation story and talk about Adam and Eve and in the separation. And yeah, there's been, God's been speaking a lot of things to me in that that book and in those chapters, because I think that when you really are looking, okay, well, what's the purpose of all this? What's the purpose of life? What are we supposed to be doing? You know, I feel like the clearest picture of that is what the original intent of creation was. Well, why did God create us in the first place? What was we supposed to do? If there was no fall, what was it going to be like? What was it going to always going to change? And so when I look at that and I think about that, it gives me the clearest picture of how I'm supposed to live my life now and my interaction and my relationship with God, what he's done for me, what he's accomplished for me, and how he wants to commune with me and the relationship he wants to have with me. So it's all there in the creation story because it was, it was he was setting out to create something with a purpose. And so I think the, the biggest thing for context when I, I look at the creation story is to also never forget just how big God is in the context of God. So here is this all-supreme being, this God that has, has the authority and the power to speak things into existence. He is by identity a creator. He is, he is creative. He is looking to, to form something and develop something. And the big question is, well, well, why? You know, why is he doing all this? What is his purpose? What is his goal with this? You know, so you have this God of the universe that starts forming things and, and designing things that are just perfect. The whole, the whole design of creation, like everyone sometimes feels like, well, the Bible and science, maybe there's clashes and there's contradictions. And they don't always line up. I don't think so. I think science is the study and the revelation of, of, of God's creation, that science is our, our heart as man to try to discover and understand this amazing design, this amazing ecosystem and solar system and food chain and rain cycle and all the different things that God put into place that were perfect, that if we were an inch closer to the sun, we'd burn up. If we were an inch further away, we'd freeze to death. All these different things that are just perfectly made. I mean, it's there is no greater testimony to the creator than his creation. When I look at his creation, you cannot deny that we have a creator when you look at his creation and you think, there is no way this just happened. You know, and I've heard people say it's like looking at a truck and saying, well, this truck just, you know, at some form or fashion, you know, I never saw its creator, so it must have just evolved into what it is. And I'm not here trying to get into whether evolution or all these things are real or not. I'm just saying, when I see a truck, I may not have seen its creator but I can clearly see there's a design to it, that there's, there's somehow somebody put this thing together. There was thought put into this, and there was thought put into us. There was thought put into our, our world and to, to the way it was all formed, and it blows my mind. It blows my mind. And so, you know, I I'm in, uh, do a lot with business. That's kind of my, my background and my occupation. I do things with just business in general, with business systems and things like that. And so when I read this too, I see, I see an entrepreneur. I see God starting something, creating a system, putting a manager to oversee this system, 
us, humans, to steward over what he's just done and what he's created. And so I say all that before I even get started because I just want, want to just magnify who God is. He is amazing. He is all-powerful. He is creative. He has created a magnificent system and world that we now live in. So, um, so let's just read. I'm going to read through chapter 1. It says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was on the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Then God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night, so the evening and the morning was the first day. Um, I'm going to kind of skip through just a few things here, but so just to paint a picture, I see this God sitting out, just like an artist is going to sit down, and I've, this isn't really why I got here, it's here, but he's got this blank canvas. He's got this thing that's void of any creation. He says, I'm going to create, and he starts to create, and he's having fun. Because if does anybody remember when you grabbed your papers and your pencils when you were a kid or your paints. It was fun, right? Creation's fun. And I think he was having fun. I think God was having fun getting ready to create something for his object of affection, which was us. And so he's, he's developing all this. The first day, you know, he's kind of just preparing things. He's getting things ready. He's getting ready to, to build. And the second day, um, he divides the waters. We won't go through all this, but he says in the second day, um, that he separates it from, um, from the waters from where they were above, and, uh, and it was so. Then we get to the, to the uh, third day in verse 9. It said, Then God said, Let the waters under... Oh, I'm sorry, I, I think that's still in that same part. So, yeah, and he called the seas, and God saw that it was good. So he's creating the waters in that, that stage. Um, then in the third day in verse, I think it's 11... Yeah, then God said, let the earth bring forth grass, the herb that yields seed, and the fruit trees that yield fruit according to its kind, whose seed is in itself on the earth, and it was so. And the earth brought forth grass, the herb that yields seed according to its kind, and the tree that yields fruit, whose seed is in itself according to its kind, and saw that it was good. So there was evening and there was morning on the third day. Um, the thing... Well, and we'll, we'll scroll through this. I'm gonna, I'll jump in. I'm going to read through the rest. So then God made two great lights. Um, let's go to verse 16. Then God made two great lights, and the greater light to rule the day, and the lesser light to rule the night. And he made the stars also. God set them in the firmament of the heavens. Did I say that word right? It's firmament? Is that right? Okay. Firmament of the heavens to give light on the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the, not, the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. So the evening, so the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Then God said, "Let the waters abound with an abundance of living creatures, and let birds fly above the earth across the face of the uh, firmament of the heavens." So God created great sea creatures, and every living thing that moved with with which the waters abounded according to their kind, and every winged bird according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. And God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters and the seas, and, in, and let the birds multiply on the earth. So the evening and the morning were the fifth day. So there's a pattern that's forming here that I see, and it confirms the others. But everything, like I said, when I think about systems, when I think of creation, God is designing all these systems. So he's got like this solar system, and everything's just this circular system. So there's day and night, you know what I mean? It's just 
circled around. And then you got your solar system with your, you know, your, your sun, and then your earth is spinning around it. And then you got a moon that's spinning around it. I don't know if that's the way the moon goes, but you get the picture. So they're spinning around, and everything's moving in the same way. He's got this rain cycle where, you know, the water evaporates up, comes over, rains back down, brings life to everything, evaporates back up. So he's got this cycle going. He's got plants that each of them kind of have their own seed, you know. So he's, he's growing these plants, and they provide food. But then on top of that, they're providing seed so that that repeats. So he's just building all these repeatable systems, just unbelievable. And so, like, when I think of it, for, like I said, from a business standpoint, I think what a brilliant entrepreneurial mind. He's built all these systems that are, that are, are for going forever, you know, going for what we experience today, all this is still going from the time of creation. And I always think, you know, on the seventh day it says, well, he rested. Well, he didn't rest because he was tired. He rested because he was done. He was done. He'd finished it. He had done everything that he needed to do. He created the system. And then, you know, when it, let's go into to the last uh, couple verses here. No, kind of continue down that path. Um, then God said, let the earth bring forth the living creatures according to its kind, cattle and creeping things and birds of the earth, each according to its kind. So again, just repeating. Each, this one's after its kind. This one's after its kind. And then the other pattern is this good. It's good. It's good. It's good. So there's these patterns in here that he's creating, these good systems that repeat. And he said, God made the beast of the earth. Um, let's see, where am I? 25, and God made the beast of the earth according to its kind, cattle according to its kind, and everything that creeps on the earth according to its kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make man in our image according to our likeness. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, and over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every, living, or every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image, and in the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth. Again, he's saying, repeat, repeat, repeat. He's given them that assignment. The first commandment, we know the greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. But the first commandment was be fruitful and multiply. That's the very first commandment. And it's before anything else, that's what he said. That was the original design. That was his original purpose for our life. When people say, well, what is the purpose of life? He gave it right here. He said, this is what you are here to do, to be fruitful and multiply, to have dominion over the earth. So, so the, in, in that, it says that, um, and God said, let's see, I'm in verse 28, or did I get through that one? Fill, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the seas, birds of the air, and over every living thing. God said in verse 29, see, I have given you every herb that yields seed, which is on the face of all the earth, and every tree whose fruit yields seed to you it shall be for food. Also to every beast of the field, to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth in which there is life, I have given every green herb for food. And it was so. And then God saw everything that he had made, and indeed it was very good. So the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Um, Thus the heavens and the earth and all the host of them were finished. And as I said, and on the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from the work which he had done. He was done. He was done. So he had completed this system. So 
he's built this masterpiece that we're a part of, and not only we're a part of, but we're invited to be the manager of his business, his his company that he'd started, his creation that he'd started, and he says, I want you to steward over this. You're going to be able to freely eat. I'm going to provide all of your needs. This this hard struggle that we sometimes adopt is, and even in America, we adopt it sometimes more, and I've done it. I'm the chief center on this one for sure. You struggle trying to accomplish something and try to be known for something. I'm going to leave a legacy for my kids, and I'm going to do these things, and it's with noble cause, but it's not the blessing, and it's not the original design. It's not what God intended. God intended to you to enter into a system that he'd already created and be a good steward of that and to multiply that and to be fruitful with what he's already given you. That's what he intended for us to do with all of this. But in this creation, you know, and again, I'm, I am not going to, say by any means I'm a theologian or anything because I am not but there's different things that like like even when we talk about like when I look at this creation story I just see this God that's full of joy that is creating all this for who it's 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 for him for us it's a show because he wants to show his love to something. He wants an object of his affection that he can pour out his love on. And so I don't know, you know, have anybody seen the pictures of, of uh, the latest telescope or the, the telescope that like showed all of the universe? Has anybody seen that? The, the, where it's just like galaxy after galaxy. Like it, it just makes you feel about this small. And, you know, they're saying now like, well, we don't know if there's, you know, alive or aliens. I don't know. Who knows? Like, maybe there is, maybe there isn't. But what if maybe he just created that for us? Maybe all that was just created for you. That's how much he loved you. He was like, I'm going to create this masterpiece and surround you with this masterpiece just to demonstrate how much I love you. Like, that's pretty powerful, you know? And I think that, you know, I think he does love us that much. And regardless of, of you know, what it is and out there or whatever, I think he did it for us because he loves us. We're his creation, and he and he wanted to, he wanted to show us all this, and he wanted us to enter this rest. He wanted to enter this place to where he had already developed all these things, and that we were just walking in them. We were walking in this blessing that he originally intended, you know. So I think that that's you know, and even in the creation too. Again, I have no idea. I'm, I'm, I'm literally going to get thrown out of church for heresies on this. But, like, I think, like, even, you know, when you talk about science, because I love science. I love looking at all those things. And, again, like I said, I think it's a testament to God's creation. And people say, well, it doesn't reconcile. And I think, well, it does. It's literally the more you learn, all you're doing, science is the pursuit of trying to understand who God is and his creation. That's what it is. It's it's a good thing. They're not at odds. That's great. You know, it's not the end-all, be-all. It changes. Things have, have changed in it. But God stays the same, and you're, you're learning. But even, even in this, like this is one that's just kind of a total squirrel. But like I was reading this the other day, you know, everybody says, well, dinosaurs are from, from birds and are from uh, fish. I say, well, this is all from whatever. Well, he creates the birds and the fish before he creates the beast. And he's already demonstrated in the next chapter that he'll take when he's in creation mode. He's in creation mode here, okay? So he's like little dab here, little dab there, and then in in chapter two, what does he do? He takes a rib out of Adam. He's like, I'm going to mold this thing, and there's a woman, and so he's already demonstrated. He takes from other creations and use it, so who knows? He's building this landscape. He's got birds, and he's got, 
you know, uh, fish, and he's like, I'm going to take a little of that one, a little of that one, and dinosaur. You know, I don't know. Like, I did it. But it, maybe that's how it went down. Maybe that's why they're like, well, I'm telling you, these birds have something to do with these dinosaurs. Like, well, because he was playing. He was just playing with creation, and he threw it up there. Maybe. I don't know. You know, I have no idea. But I do think that there's this, again, it's a story of God creating this masterpiece for us. I really do believe that. That's the anchor. That's the thing I am sure of. And so in the, the last, in chapter 2, so I don't know how much y'all have read chapter 1 and 2 of Genesis, but it's kind of the same story, and there's some different theologians that I did actually look into that they talked about the Jewish tradition of how they look at things. So they, they don't, it's not this chronological thing all the time that we can sometimes read the Bible with. So he's going back, and he's threading chapter through through chapter 1. He's saying, well, he made you know, man here, but this is a little more detail of how he made man in the creation of, of Adam and Eve. And, and this is how he made the, the, solar, or the, the rain cycle. But this is, you know, chapter 2 gets a little more in-depth on how that. So chapter 2 kind of continues to kind of go down that path. Um, but I think it gives us some really good insight into... Um, who God is and what the original intent was. Uh, so then God, let's go to verse uh, 4, 2, 4. This is the history of the heavens and the earth when they were created in the day that the Lord God made the earth and the heavens. Before any plant of the field um, was in the earth, before any herb of the field had grown, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain on the earth. And there was no man to, to till the ground, but a mist went up from the earth and watered the whole face of the ground. So this, again, he's kind of threading this into through chapter 1. Like these are just different things that he's trying to kind of show us. He says, And the ground formed man of the dust and uh, of the ground and breathed into his nostril the breath of life. A man became a living being. And then the Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there he put the man whom he had formed. And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Now a river went out of Eden to water the gardens. From there it parted and became four riverheads. I'm going to skip some of that on the rivers. Um, let's go down to verse 15. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to tend and keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, freely eat. He's providing everything for him in this place. Um, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. And out of the ground of the earth God formed every burst of beast of the field and every bird of the air and brought them to Adam to see um, what he would call them and whatever Adam called each living creature that was his name all right so I'm gonna stop right there and just touch on something there so he's first um, he he has this different relationship with Adam than the rest of creation he has this communion where he's actually having an intelligent conversation and talking with them and he's doing this and so He's, he's bringing these different animals to Adam, and he's saying, does this one work? Does this monkey work? Does this, uh, this cheetah work? All these different things. Like he's, he's bringing all these animals, trying to find a suitable helper, right? So that's what it says. Is that, does that sound right to you guys? Is that what has happened? So, uh, so, and then he's giving him the authority, which I think this is absolutely mind-blowing, to name his creation, 
So God creates all this stuff, and he's just like, Adam, I want you to give language to it. I want you to describe it, and whatever you come up with, that's what it's going to be called. That's a pretty huge honor. You know what I mean? So, you know, y'all have had businesses before. If you did all this work, and then you were like, would you be like, now, Jonas, you can call my business whatever you want, and I come up with Pikachu. We're going to call your business uh, Flying Monkey, and you're like, Okay, all right, Jonas, that's, I guess that's what we're going with. You know, it's, so, I mean, all kinds of crazy names that he comes up with. So that's a pretty big honor. It's his creation. It's God's creation, and he's taking them up there, and he's letting Adam come up with all kinds of names that are just crazy. You know, I'm sure, like, some of them, I'm sure he's like, okay, whatever, Adam. It's what we're going with. It's stupid, but we'll go with that. <laughs> so... He's, you know, I think that's pretty amazing, and, and I think that, like, for me, like, I like songwriting. Some of y'all know that. I love songwriting, all those different things. So, like, my way I a lot of times commune with God, and sometimes I feel the closest to God, is when I'm trying to give language and describe something that he's created in my heart. And it's, and it's like all of a sudden when I can find the words for it, I'm like, oh, man, that's what I was trying to say. That's what I'm trying to do. And so I think that even in that moment, there was something planted in man that when we are able to bring language to what he's created, it's just a powerful connection and moment with God. I really do. And it ain't even fully formed in my mind. I don't even have the words to describe about them words. You know? But it's like, it, you know what I'm saying? It's kind of that just interesting thing, like a revelation for those who maybe aren't like songwriters. Like you ever had just something hit your heart before it hits your mind? And you're like trying to describe it what's going on and what this revelation is, but you're having a hard time articulating it, and then all of a sudden you articulate it, and you're like, that's what it was. That's exactly what I was trying to do, and it's, and it's powerful. It's a powerful connection, and I think that happens in this moment with Adam. Like, he's given this. That's a gift from God that we can connect with him when we begin to give language to his creation, when you recognize his creation and we give name to it. So I thought that was kind of a, kind of a cool thing, you know, for me. So... Um, so Adam gave names, let's go to verse 20. So Adam gave names to all the cattle, to the birds of the air, and every beast of the field. But for Adam there was not found a helper comparable to him. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall on Adam, and he slept. And he took one of those ribs and closed up the flesh in its place. Um, real quick before that, too, one more thing I forgot to add is, you know, we, we talk about, you know, Adam and Eve, and some people are like, well, they messed it up and all these different things. We have no idea how long the, that it was just God and Adam. We have no idea how long it was Adam and Eve and God. We have no idea. I mean, there was no death, so it could have been thousands of years of community. It took a long time for him to name all those animals. I would start running out of names like day two. And, I mean, he had to name every bird creature so that in of itself probably took a thousand years so I think that's interesting to think about too that they were communing back and forth for you know tons and tons of time we don't know you know what I mean there's a long time before uh before well I think it does say how long old Adam was doesn't it somewhere in the Bible I may be way off on that but it still took a long time a good portion of his life so so anyway so the um it says that then the rib which the Lord God had taken from man, he made into a woman, he brought her to, uh, to the man. And Adam said, this is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called, woe, man, 
because she was taking out a man. So, uh, therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. So he had already seen everything that God had created. Nothing was suitable. Nothing even God felt like was suitable for him. And he said, I'm going to do this as a custom job. This isn't going to be, you know, off the shelf. You know, you're not shopping the giraffe shelf for this or the cow shelf for this. We're going to do a custom job for you, Adam, because that's how much I love you. I'm going to build you a companion that is, is perfect for you. And that's what he did. And I believe that's what he did with, with woman. And so, um, so let's get into the temptation and the fall of man. Um, so we've kind of, just a recap. So we're talking about the magnitude of who God is, the power, the all that he is, that he spends this effort and this glory and all everything that he does, he, he forms the earth for us. He does it to show his magnitude, his glory, his grace, because he loves us. And so he does this, and then he, he puts us in there to be the manager of all these systems. It's a pretty good life. You know, this is Adam and Eve in paradise. There's like gold in the rivers, it says. You know, so there's trees he can freely eat from. They're hanging out. Everyone's naked. It's like, it's like uh, Lollapalooza. No, I'm just kidding. I have no idea what it is. But it's, it, they're, they're just hanging out. I mean, they're walking with God in the cool of the garden. I didn't say that in the kids' teaching, just by the way. So this is the, this is the adult version. This is the adult version, guys, okay? So they was kept a PG back there, right? But the but the but he you know it's this paradise, it's this beautiful, amazing place that this was the purpose of life. I'm gonna put you in this place that you know my burden's light, my yoke is easy. I'm gonna put these systems that feed you and 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 provide water and self-sustain and things are growing and there's this whole animal kingdom around you and everything's at peace. I mean, it's a pretty amazing picture, right? How many of y'all would like some of that right now? How many of y'all have grinded it out today at work and then you came here and you're just like, oh, I'm just working the ground and it's just producing thorns and thistles. <laughs> so, you know, you, you don't... you. You, there's something beautiful about that, and what's even more beautiful about it is it's not, it's not like, hey, I wish it would one day be like that. That's how it was. That's how it was supposed to be. That's how it is supposed to be. That's how it's supposed to, to go in our future. That's exactly how he designed life to be. That was the original purpose of life. That was the original purpose, to literally commune with God and walk with him in the cool of the garden. And steward over all of this beauty, this paradise, the things we could spend thousands and thousands of dollars to go on vacation to see, they're living in on a daily basis. Probably the closest we get to the lifestyle back then is when we're on vacation. And we're just enjoying the create. Unless, I don't know, he, he wrote his head like, maybe it was a bad vacation, I don't know. You'll have, I pray that you have better vacation. But... But, you know, it's just paradise. It's these amazing paradise that he put us in. That's a pretty amazing thing, right? So people say, you know, I, I have a problem sometimes with, with people just criticizing um, uh, just different people, period. Just d different people, period. But like Joel Osteen, there's some people that just absolutely hate that guy. <laughs> that, that they're like, and, and I get, he's missed it on some things, I'm sure. I have too, and so have every one of you. Every one of you. But... If, if you're going to accuse someone of something that's bad, 
I sure wouldn't go with, he just keeps talking. God's not that good. Like, he is just like talking like God is super, super good. I just, I can't get behind that. Yes, he is that good. He is that good. Like, his original creation was that good. That's exactly how he intended our life to be. It is right here at the very beginning, not looking through some smoke glass, looking back at the truest picture of what the, the design of life was supposed to be. That's what it is. And it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. So, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, if he's telling people God's good, great. If he introduces them to God, God will straighten them out from there. It's fine. It don't matter. So I, I have a problem sometimes with people just blasting insults at people. Like, who cares? Like, at least he's telling people God's good instead of bad. Like, I'd rather have somebody doing that. So, so anyway, that's my rant on Joe Osteen. Every time I pull up at uh, Walmart or something like that, and there's like a front row parking spot, and just uh, uh, my wife Shelly and I, I'm like Joe Losting, like I'm just like if I get like a front row, <laughs> I just just as a joke. But anyway, I think God had more to do with it than Joe Losting, but it just seems like something he'd get behind. <laughs> so, so anyway, so the temptation and the fall man. So that's the first heresy. I've got into all that. So let's get you know God's good. That's the first heresy, guys. Whew. Yeah, don't tell John. <laughs> you know. Nah, I'm just kidding. The uh, said so now the serpent was more cunning than any other beast of the field with the uh, which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, "Has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden?" And the woman said to the serpent, "We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die." Um, John made a great point. I remember a long time ago about that. That. God didn't say you couldn't touch it. He said you couldn't eat it. And she changed what God told her and said you can't touch it either. And then she probably touched it and was like, wait a minute, I didn't die. And then all of a sudden she was like, well, if I didn't die, maybe if I eat it, I won't die. You know, I touched it and didn't die. So he kind of was talking about the, the danger of sometimes adding to what God says and just say what God says and be true to that. And I always thought that was a really good good point there. But uh then the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die. For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eye, and a tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked, and they sewed leaves together and made themselves covering. All right, so let's, let me back up here. So... Um, so he says, Satan says, right here, he says that, uh, for God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Okay? So Satan is saying, you're going to be more like God. You're going to be like God if you eat this. Okay? We all know that they were created in the image and likeness of God already, but, but Satan said, you be like God, and you're going to know good from evil. Okay? So that said, if I got up here on a Sunday morning, and I said, we need to all be more like God. We need to know right from wrong, good from evil. You know how many amens I'd get? How many amens do you think I'd get? Quite a few, right? It's literally exactly what the serpent said. I mean, this guy is slick, like very slick with his tongue. So he's saying what... A lot of us would agree with ourselves right now. We need to be more like God. We need to know good from evil. We need to know right from wrong. Sounds pretty good, right? 
That's what it says, right? Sounds pretty good. So, um, but then they eat of this, and then something changes. Something happens there where they become aware of all of their shortcomings and all of the different pieces that, that they're missing, you know. And um, it said, And they heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid, himself from, hid themselves from the presence of the God, of the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. Then the Lord God called to Adam and said, Where are you? So he said, I heard your voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and, hid, and I hid myself. And he said, I told you, uh, he said, Who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree which I commanded you not to eat? Okay, so let me erase this. So this stuck out to me, and like I said, this is not going to work. Uh, I got to do it fast, and then I go like that, and then do it fast. It's all about process. That that lock it in? Okay. Maybe. I'll, I'll, I should be light now. Should be good. Thank you. So, so this this is something that you know. This is on the verge of heresy. Probably this is y'all are gonna probably stone me. Uh, which was funny too. Just another side. Note, I loved going down rabbit trails, but. Um, uh, we pulled up to church the other day and somebody had a, a trailer with a bunch of uh, r- like rocks on the back of it and my daughter walks by she's 13 she's just mouthy and she's like hmm she's like somebody brought their own rocks for the stoning later <laughs> and I was like <laughs> I got a kick out of it I was like shut up like, get inside before I use one of those on you <laughs> I don't know where she gets that <laughs> we're just honoring Ruth so alright so let's just create a timeline here so, creation. All right, God creates this, and there's this point in time. This is the garden period. I'm just going to do a period. Y'all can. So, creation. And in this period, God is with man, He's with them. He's talking with them. They don't have to know good and evil, right from wrong, and all those things because he's there with them. He's ever-present telling them, this is where you go, this is what you do. He said, this is what our mission is, though. It's not to figure out good and evil, right from wrong. Our mission is to create. We're going to create. We're on mission together to do some good, to do some awesome things. I, for one, personally, when I'm doing something productive and good, I lose the, the desire for all the figuring out the good and bad and ugly. That usually gets me in trouble when I'm trying not to do bad and I'm trying to do good. That never works for me. I'm, I'm the type like, you give me a mission and I keep my nose clean. You know, that's kind of how I am. So there's this garden period that's like, man, I just love it. I just love it. And then this point, people say, well, what separated us from God? And people say sin. That's not what this says. It doesn't say that sin separated us from God. That's not what that says at all. It says that they didn't eat of the tree of sin. Does it say that? Check back and see. What did it say? What was the name of this tree? The knowledge of what? Good and evil. So how could that possibly be a bad thing? We, I mean, we would preach that on Sunday morning that the knowledge of good and evil is something we all need to know, Right? So we preach that, right? But this says that's what separated us from God. That's what somehow, in some form or fashion, so how does that all reconcile? So what I feel like is that 
God tried to be like God, or man tried to be like God without God. They said, someone had said the other day on the discerning good from evil when they kick him out of the garden, which we won't go all the way into that because we're getting kind of late in the time. But when he kicks them out, he says, we can't let them live forever now because now they're, you know, determining good from evil. They're like us and can determine good from evil. And someone had said that they'd heard someone teaching on that and said that at that moment, man started deciding what was good and evil. They started deciding. They weren't able to just discern it. They were actually saying this is good and this is evil. And they were trying to make that judgment and trying to figure all those different things out. They were trying to do it, which like I said, there's nothing, I'm not saying you, sh- you don't use wisdom and you can't have some, some understanding of right from wrong. But I'm saying that that's what the scripture says. That's what it says is that there was something that happened in that moment. So here's what I feel like happened. So I think this was that path with perfect communion in God because you're not going to get right from wrong, you know, more right than when you're walking with God and he's telling you every day and every moment and every situation, this is how you need to react in this. This is what you need to do here. So you do it. So this is perfect. This is perfection. And then at this point, there was just this slow separation because we started trying to figure out good from evil without God. Adam was away from God for just a minute, him and Eve were, and they couldn't even obey the one rule that he gave them in the garden. I mean, they knew at this point, good from evil was this. Every other tree's good, this tree evil. That was it. And they couldn't even obey that. So let's forget about like trying to memorize. We, man, we, we just know all the rules. We know it. We know we're just going to remember everything, and we're going to know how to handle every situation without God, without walking with his spirit and everything else. We're just going to remember it. They had one role to remember, and they didn't remember it, or they disobeyed it because God wasn't standing right next to them because that's how dependent he designed us to be. He created us to be with him every moment, every second. That's how we're supposed to be. So all of a sudden, this starts happening to where, okay, God is this perfect judge. He knows good from evil. Man starts trying to figure it out, and they're deciding on their own, good from evil. And this gap right here, this is sin. What is the definition of sin? You missed the mark. So when you miss the mark here, you're not, not too bad. He's still talking to God. You know, he's hiding himself a little bit. But the more he starts trying to determine good from evil on his own, the further and further and further he gets from God. And this is where what separates us from God? Sin. Because we missed the mark. So the sin, the gap between us trying to figure it out on our own, and that, that's the sin. This decision wasn't the, the this isn't where, it, that's, sin's not where it started. Sin's what it ended up in. This was the fruit of the root. This is where it started. And so they go on this path. Man goes on this path. Until, and God's trying to get them back into this garden lifestyle. He's like, I want you back walking with me, fully dependent on me in every moment for all eternity. That's what I want. You're out here wandering around, hiding yourself from me, feeling shame, feeling guilt, trying to figure out what's good, trying not to do what's bad, and you're missing the mark over and over again. And the more you miss it, this thing just starts bell curving up. That's how it is. That's how our life, every one of us who's ever wandered from God, that's how it starts, right? We just start, I think I know better in this situation, God. And then you move it, and you end up way off course. So... 
along this way, they've kind of created their own law, and they've gotten it way wrong. So then what comes in? The law, right? The law of God. Well, what is the law of God? It's this roadmap back to here. So at this law, he's like, okay, you guys have completely messed it up. Every one of you with your own philosophy on what's good and evil is wrong. Let me lay it out what's actually good and evil. And so he writes this law, and he's like, here's, here's what's good. This is good. All y'all is evil. You're all, you're, that's, that's what he's saying. He's like, the law, it says, that was intended so that every single person would be held accountable, that all would know that they've fallen short of the glory of God. Every single person. That's the intent and the purpose of the law. The purpose of the law was never achievable by human standards whatsoever. Okay? So, but what's, what do they have, start having taste of, again, in this garden when the law comes along? Because he gives them all of a sudden, he's like, here's your path, you know, and maybe this is a little bit crooked. Maybe it's that, you know, thing on social media where it's like there's a ditch and there's a bike and a rope swing and all those things. He's, it's very complicated, but he says, here's the map if you want to do it on your own to get back to here on this timeline. That's what you got to do. And they maybe even get a little closer. Maybe they're like, man, we are, you know, doing pretty good. We're following the law. We're getting a little closer to God. We got this priest system set up. We're... We're getting there, we're getting closer, and then all of a sudden, what do they get a taste of? They get a taste of the promised land. A little closer to the garden, isn't it? So he's like, if you get on this law, and you can do these things, and you can follow in the system, I'm going to get you back to this garden. But then, what happens? They start trying to figure out on their own. What do they do? They just move back further and further away. Right? So, because only one man could get through this maze. Only one man knew this maze, and that was the creator of this maze. The one true God. So, on this, as they are trying to be achieved by the law, they can't do it. So then, one, two, skip a few. Who comes along? Jesus, the second Adam. To what? To restore what? The relationship. Because they chose what they chose is religion over relationship. That's what they chose. Religion by definition, religion and morale, these different things, is what? It's a list of good and evil. Here's good, here's evil. Religion, in some regards, like I said, and this probably gets, you know, sounds like a heresy, but religion is probably a closer definition to the tree than, than sin. It's actually us trying to create our own system of morality. And people say, well, okay, what are you saying, Jonas? Are you saying there's no absolute truth? Are you saying that, you know, no one can discern good from evil on their own? Well, no, I'm saying truth's a person. That's what the Bible says. Truth's a person that we're never supposed to leave, that we're supposed to be in constant communion with at all times. You want absolute truth, meet him. He's a person. He's not a system. He's not a, 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 a a list of uh, beliefs on your church website. He's none of those things. He is a person. Truth's a person. That's absolute truth. Jesus is absolute truth. And the moment you think you can figure out anything, even for a moment, without him constantly being with you every second of every day, you will miss it. And you'll start skimming all the way out here. The only way to get back to this is to say, I am sorry, humble yourself and say, God, I just want to to be with you again. I want to be with you again. And I think that 
in, in all reality, that's the gospel. That is the gospel. But the purpose, the reason why I start here is that this right here is what God brought us to, back to. This is what uh, 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 Jesus died to give us, was to bring us back to this place. And I don't know, you know how many of y'all maybe are struggling or anything else. I saw a couple weeks ago where there was business owners that came up. And they were just struggling. And my, my heart breaks for that. I've been there. I've put in the 80 hours a week, 90 hours a week, making chump change, trying to provide for my family and work hard. And I'm not saying hard work's bad. I'm not saying Adam didn't work long days here. I'm not saying that at all. But it was different. It was different. It was, it was stewardship and being fruitful and multiplying what God had given to him freely. He had given it. So this struggle... This curse that's in the Bible where it says that, what, what's the curse in verse 3? So if the original commandment was be fruitful and multiply with what God gave you, I think it's pretty interesting that the curse is, what's, what's the curse on the woman? Okay, so it was a struggle in what? Multiplying, right? All right, what was, the, what was the, the curse on Adam? It was a curse on being fruitful, wasn't it? He was going to work the ground instead of reaching up and grabbing fruit from all these trees that he says in chapter 2 that you can freely eat. He's like, you're going to work this, and you're not even going to have enough to have seed. You're just working enough to you can eat. You're going to eat the bread and you're going to live paycheck to paycheck, and you're going to have all these different things that are going to be a struggle. So the curse, or the, the, in a better way maybe even to say it, not just the curse, but the blessing that was lost by living in this communion with God was the, 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 uh, the co-fruitful and labor, or multiplying and, and uh, being fruitful. So that's what the curse was on the woman, was a curse on being able to multiply. The curse on the man was being able to be fruitful. That's essentially what it was, you know. And so I, I think that, you know, the, the path back here again, like I said, I think is just realizing this isn't it. This isn't it. All this stuff, it, you know, all the stuff that we commit to our memory, all those things, I think those are really good. I think that's, there's nothing wrong with that. But it is not a sacrifice or it's not a substitute for communion with God at all times. At all times. It's literally what he died to give us back. He said, this is what it was, and this is what I want it to be again, is I want God to be able to walk with you in every moment because that's how you're going to really rightly discern what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's evil. So, you know, that, that's just the, the thing that God's really been speaking to me on this. Um, you know, I don't know. You know, again, I feel like our mission in life... Um, and we look at kind of the model of God's creation, the systems and the things that he's put in place and the, the desire to collaborate with us is that we aren't intended to just work the ground and do it. We are intended to collaborate with God in our work and in our homes and all these different places. God says, I want to be there with you. And if you'll invite me in where I can have just a communion with you in every moment of every day, I will cause things to be fruitful and multiply. The blessing will explode in your life. I really believe that. And, and, and I've experienced that. I've experienced that firsthand, God doing that. When I got out of trying to just do it my stubborn old way and try to do it with my own effort, 
and I leaned on God, I see God open up way more doors, and it is so much more peaceful, and it's so much more fulfilling, and it's so much more fruitful than trying to just work, 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 work. And so I guess I encourage you on a practical level is to, when you start your day in whatever it is that you're doing, start it with, God, we're going to do this together. Talk to him throughout your day. In situations and circumstances, talk to him. Talk to him. I'll tell you a personal story for me, and then I'll, I'll wrap this up. But So I had started, many of y'all know I started uh, socially present. So uh, worked here. Actually, I grew up working construction. I'll kind of give you my story. Uh, one of six kids. Dad's a painter. Um, worked construction. Tried to work myself through a, a business degree. Worked, uh, did painting and trim carpentry. Worked really, really hard. Very long hours. Sucking and eating paint for for years. Literally, my wife would smell the paint when I'd kiss her and come home. The the fumes because I would have I'd be spraying paint all day. It was rough. It was a pretty tough. I'm not afraid of hard work. I grew up. I we had to work for everything that we had. I've I've done the work the ground. I've worked the ground and I got it to produce something, but it wasn't it wasn't blessing. It was not in the blessing path. So then I came to, to uh, work at the church here for like a year and a half, and then I got the broad idea. I was like, I'm going to start. I told Shelly, I was like, I'm going to start a marketing agency, digital marketing agency online. She was like, oh, yeah, yeah, you can barely send an email, Jonas. That should go over really well. You're a painter. And uh, no, she didn't say that, but I could tell that. She was very encouraging. But I could tell that's what she was thinking. I could tell. So, so anyway, so I... I uh, uh, I'd step out, start this thing. I was making pretty good money in construction. Third kid, one years old. I'm the only um, income in the house. I make $26,000, family of five, first year. The stress was so high, I was literally passing out the last quarter of that year. I was, I was, we were down. Our money was drained. I felt like a screw-up. I felt like I failed my family. I made the, all the wrong decisions, and I started just, I had no idea what I was doing. really didn't know what I was doing, and I was literally passing out. My brother says I fainted, but I, was, I say pass out because it sounds more masculine, but he was like, you fainted. I was like, he calls me fainted goat sometimes. It's just He's very encouraging, So, but anyway, so I, I was stressed to the max, and, uh, and I felt like God, I, I had literally passed out and hit my head, and I was sitting there, and I took that next uh, morning off, and I feel like God told me, he said, this is a family business. I'm your father. I don't expect you to make it run. I expect you to get up every morning, go to work, do your best, and then check out, clock out, be with your family. He's like, this is a family business. This is my business, and I'm going to run it, and when I held on to that, all of a sudden things started opening up. And this was a process for me in multiple ways where I began to learn this about who God was and how he did it. So things started happening. The phone started miraculously ringing on things. And customers who, you know, some were, had, were mad or upset, somehow they just were okay or more gracious. Everybody, it just seemed like it was easier. It just started becoming a little easier, you know. It wasn't perfect. I'd still pick up my arrogance and try to, do it in my own strength, and God checked me. But, man, it started to open it up. It started feeling a lot better. And so that, that started changing in my life. Um, I would go into these businesses with CEOs of multimillion-dollar companies, 20, 30, 50-million-dollar companies. I'd be sitting with these CEOs feeling so out of place, literally almost about to vomit before I go in because of the nerves. I'm here. They're gonna, I'm going to talk to them about marketing. 
what do I know about any of this? I even got this little peon business that I'm, that's, I have no idea what I'm doing with. And so I'd heard this teaching from Chris Valentin one time where he said that he was just praying and God told him how to fix carburetors. And I thought, well, if God can fix carburetors, he can give me wisdom in those moments to be able to come up with creative solutions for someone's business. So I started just before I go in. God, I have one intent when I walk in this meeting, and that's to love this person. I'm going to love this person. All of a sudden, the pressure went off. I'm not trying to sell them. If they don't buy a thing from me, I don't care. I'm going in, and I'm going to try to love them. They're here with a problem, and I just ask you to help me solve it, whatever it is. I'm telling you, time and time and time and time again, God would just be like, ask them this question. Ask them this. And we would come up with some of the craziest solutions for their business. Just unbelievable that God, and it wasn't me. So, so to, again, this process. So then, let's, you know, Things really started going. Like I started building more of a reputation in the business community that, hey, this guy, come talk to him. He can do it. So guy was opening up. Income was coming in. Our family was doing better. We started having some success, which some would, would say. So then I, in my arrogance, even in this process, now I've got some pretty good experience. I've had some CEOs and everything. So I'm like, I got this. I got this guy. I don't need to ask you when I go into this meeting. I, from memory, I can tell what's good from evil. <laughs> You know, I can tell what's right from wrong. From memory, I don't need you in this time, in this moment. And so I started doing those things. And I had some success with it. I had some moments where it was like, okay, this is great. But you know what I started doing? I started this small separation. Um, all of a sudden, fast forward, the money's coming in. Things are happening. But, but my life and the fulfillment of my life wasn't even close. Didn't even have it. The creativity and the, the just joy of, of having a moment where you're helping somebody and you're serving them and you're coming up with a creative idea for their business, those things, it was just, hey, I'm making some pretty good money. I'm having pretty good, good success, going down to the brewery, having a few beers, hanging out, doing whatever I want to do. And before I know it, I'm, I'm getting pretty far from God again, pretty far from God. And realizing the consequences and the fruits of my actions, trying to figure it out and trying to do what's good for my family or what's right for my family and not do what's wrong for my family and missing it. Thinking, my family, what they need is me to work 80 hours a week. And, and reality is, no, they needed me there. And I, I gave up a good portion of my years that I regret, I very, very much regret, trying to thinking that I'm doing what's right for my family but I know I missed it. Now, God's gracious, and I have some phenomenal kids. They're great kids. But I learned that lesson the hard way. And so I'm just saying in all this that this is better. This is better. Every moment with God, every second of every day, you will have a blast in life. It will be easier. It will be less of a burden. You'll have more success. You'll have more joy than you could ever imagine. If you wake up every day and you just say, God, I'm messing this up again. God, I'm messing this up again. And then, and then say, help me. Help me get it straight. Help me work things out. So that's all I really got, but I just wanted to kind of share that. And John asked me to kind of um, share what was on my heart, and that's it. So anybody else got anything to add? Yes, sir. Awesome. So he got that done in like a year. Okay. 
All right, well, thanks for finding that one fact and just making me feel like a total heretic. No, I'm just kidding. I, I told you I had no idea what I'm talking about, but yes, thank you. That's good. <laughs> no, no, that's good. I appreciate it. Yeah. Started, I started trying to be fruitful and multiplying on my own in the physical instead of being fruitful and multiplying in my children and if sowing into them and investing into them and in my wife and in my family and my, you know. Yeah, absolutely. I miss that too. I mean, I got out of church and, and missed a lot of that. Yeah, you are dead on. And I haven't thought about that too earlier, uh, was that even now, you know, what's the first thing we did when God comes to redeem us from this cursed system of trying to figure out good from evil? We make a religion out of it. <laughs> like, let's make a religion out of it. Let's let's write down good and evil and figure it out. And then it's like, wait a minute, guys. That's what got you in trouble in the first place. I just wanted you to be with me. I just wanted you to be with me. And so, yes, you're absolutely right. We, we say, well, this is where they missed it. Well, what about us? How far along are we going to just try to figure out good from evil? Even in our own religious, by thinking we're doing good, this is us religiously trying to, to figure out morality and all the things that we try to do. You know what I mean? So versus just saying, hey, you want to know what's right? Talk to absolute truth, the person. Truth is a person. You know, And you bring people back to that, and you can't go wrong. I don't feel like if you, you connect them with God, God will deal with it. So... Anybody else got any thoughts? Hearing his voice, yeah. All right. Lauren, you want to pray us out, man? Thanks again for listening to the Faith Center podcast. To connect with us, go to faithcenter.tv and fill out our connection card. We pray blessings over you and your family. We'll see you next time.